It's the Mike Rogers Show coming to you live from Tokyo, Japan, a year-end special, and I'll be with my good friend, Evan Borgold, and you can tune into the Mike Rogers Show. We play Japanese music, Japanese pop, Japanese, uh, uh, and you can win a bazillion dollars on this show. I don't know how you can, but maybe, you know, if you listen to the show, maybe you can somehow, maybe buy a raffle ticket or something. The Mike Rogers Show, yes, tune in. We're going to have our year-end top five countdown. It's going to be way cool, and you can hear more good songs just like this. Welcome to episode 294 of No Borders, No Race. I am your king, baby, Dr. Evan Borgo. Thank you once again for tuning in. We are less than three weeks away from PAX East, and I am truly excited for my favorite hometown gaming show. Now, just the other day, they had revealed all of the companies and developers that will be showing off their goods. And I was taken by surprise by the fact that there are barely any big AAA companies coming. Gearbox seems to be the only guys there from what I was seeing. Granted, we've got some great companies like Emu, Devolver, P-Cube, and TinyBuild with some, let's call them AA indie titles. But the rest of the pack are some that are vaguely known and others that I've never heard of. No Nintendo, no Sony, no Microsoft, no Ubisoft, none of the big guys. And you know what? That's A-OK in my book. For you see, for most of my time at PAX East, I tend to roam around the Indies booths. Because Indie booths are where the hidden gems are. They are where the true Game of the Year contenders thrive. And if you are disappointed that PAX East won't be playing host to the big wigs, then man... You are sorely missing out on some amazing titles. So please, don't feel sad that Nintendo or Sony won't be at PAX. Be happy for the little games that you'll get to see that'll make more of an impact on you than any first-party developer could. So, with that all being said, let's get this episode rolling. On today's No Borders No Race, it's a pirate's life for all, and a young boy learns to live on his own with the help of his reluctant neighbors. And on this week's A Bastard Soapbox, what did a five fingers say to the face? Plus, with Boston Calling nearing our horizon, we will begin placing a spotlight on 12 artists from the New England area. But right now... Let's start this week's playlist. Remember, as always, if you like what you hear and would like to support these artists, you can find their music on CD Japan, Amazon, Yes Asia, Apple Music, Spotify, Bandcamp, the band's official sites, and your local record store. And we are starting to show off with the returning Ali, who just dropped a new EP entitled Inglorious Eastern Cowboy. Here's a lovely number from that release entitled Fancy Matilda. Thank you. 
is Phil the Issues Guy from IssuesProgram.com and Phil the Issues Guy on YouTube. Do you like television? Do you like talking about television? Do you have problems and can't sleep at night? If you get any of those things are true, come on down and join Phil the Issues Guy on YouTube. Phil's recap and review or check out IssuesProgram.com to check out our stuff. Basically, what we do is we talk a lot about television, some movies, but mainly television. We do post-episode recaps, live viewings, drunk commentary games, and just general analysis. So if you love television, you don't have a ton of people to talk about television, or you just cannot get enough of some of these awesome shows like Vikings, Better Call Saul, Westworld, Game of Thrones, even The Walking Dead, and some other random shows that just pop up here and there. If you cannot get enough of all those programs and you want to talk about them... Jump on over, join in the live motherfucking chat with some of the best people in the world that all share their thoughts real time whenever we go live. So if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, you follow the YouTube channel by clicking that little bell thing, you can find out anytime we go live. You can also check out issuesprogram.com for a backload of all of our stuff and check out our podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, and lots of other places. Huge thanks to all of you and hope you check it out and hope you enjoy it. And I'll talk to you guys next time.
last year's Jodaki album, that was Tricot with Itsumo. Tricot will be hitting the road in Japan this June for a string of club dates, and will be hitting Europe for some early autumn touring. If there's one guy that personifies delightfulness, it's Reese Darby. Whether he's Murray in Flight of the Concords, Nigel in Jumanji, or Corrin in Voltron Legendary Defender, Reese brings a plethora of joy to everything he's in. Fortunately, he's finally been given the reins of his own starring vehicle in the form of Our Flag Means Death. Reese Darby plays Stead Bonnet, a former aristocrat who takes to the seven seas in his own pirate ship. Christened the Revenge, the ship and its crew sets off for a life of adventure, mayhem, and possibly scurvy. But things get interesting when the ship gets a new crewmate, the infamous Blackbeard. But there's something peculiar about Blackbeard that makes him seem different from the legends told about him. Now, I'll admit that Our Flag Means Death starts off a little bit slow. It takes roughly three episodes before the gears really start turning with its narrative. Yes, it's kind of funny watching the crew making their own pirate flags or seeing Bonnet accidentally kill his childhood bully, but there's a spark that's lacking that would connect the pirate captain Bonnet and his crew. Blackbeard winds up being that spark. Played by Taika Waititi, the nefarious pirate winds up having a lot more in common with Bonnet than he would ever imagine. Despite his rough exterior, Blackbeard winds up being a big softy, and it's his bond with Bonnet that brings out the best that Our Flag Means Death has to offer. It's how the two pirates work together, where the smarts of the show are spotlighted. The plan to evade the Spanish by pretending to be a lighthouse, blending in with a fancy party, and divulging into the art of fuckery are showcased with great hilarity and unexpected twists. But the biggest twist of all winds up being the kind of a relationship that might blossom between Bonnet and Blackbeard. I won't say what happens, but let's just say it'll take you by surprise. The banter is great, the comedy is strong, and it even gets pretty gruesome with its violence. Then again, what we do in the shadows is pretty damn gory too, so it shouldn't come as shocking. All 10 episodes of Our Flag Means Death can be viewed on HBO Max, with no word yet of a second season. But I sure hope there's more, as Reese, Taika, and the rest of the crew deliver a kraken of a pirate's tale. Here are three words I never thought I'd string together. Pakistani death metal. From Islamabad, this is a band that calls themselves Azab. They have a new album out called Summoning the Cataclysm, and from that record is a hollow pack. Death and bites, they flock to me. All of them,
Freedom. Knowledge. The Abstract Japan Podcast at abstractjapan.com.
Mako Yans with House from last year's Gasoline Rainbow, our pick for best Japanese album of 2021. It is only their second release, but Mako Yans, in my opinion, have truly become a band that many others should aspire to be like. Sometimes you go into an anime thinking it's one thing, only to be treated with a tale filled with deep meaning and hardships. Shows like Kyaron Kazuko Niki and The Troubled Life of Miss Kotoro demonstrated this with its mixture of wacky comedy and deep drama, both of which resulted in excellent storytelling. The new Netflix anime series Kotaro Lives Alone follows this formula and does so with great success. Kotaro Lives Alone follows the titular four-year-old who lives in an apartment with no sign of his parents. He often hangs with his neighbor Shin, a struggling manga artist who takes a liking to the kid. Taking on shopping, the public baths, and kindergarten, Kotaro takes on his daily life with the most honor a four-year-old can deliver. But as the story goes on, the kid's past starts to catch up to him. When the show starts off, Kotaro seems to be a brat, there to add more stress to Shin's already harrowing life. But then the neighbor begins to question Kotaro's living situation. The lack of supervision is the biggest red flag, as Kotaro speaks about reuniting with his mother and father after he grows stronger. This leads to some of the saddest reveals about the kid's life, ranging from his time in foster care to the true whereabouts of his parents. Fortunately, there's a surprisingly great amount of feel-good moments to see in Kotaro Lives Alone. Whether it's hitting the bad house, bringing a smile to Mizuki's face, entertaining child service employees, or playing dinner host, Kotaro takes on every task with his head held high and his vernacular as old as the Edo period. And the show is very funny, be it how the characters interact or how they react to Kotaro's strange mannerisms. Yet despite the laughs, the truth behind Kotaro's past still lingers. It's this mixture of sadness and laughter that make Kotaro Lives Alone a surprisingly good watch. Although it's not the best-looking anime on Netflix, a shock seeing as Linden Films made it, there's a lot of heart placed in the characters of Kotaro, Shin, Mizuki, and the rest of the cast. It also does a good job showing the characters who aren't as savvy as the rest, with even Kotaro's dad portrayed as a pretty awful person. Thankfully, the good times outweigh the bad times, with Shin doing his best to be a solid father figure, even if he didn't ask for the role. But what makes Kotaro Lives Alone a great watch is the determination of the four-year-old. Sure, he may not succeed with every task he's given, but Kotaro tries his hardest, and it's his can-do attitude that becomes infectious to the point where it affects all of the other tenants of his apartment. Shin gets a manga off the ground, Mizuki betters her career paths, and even his classmates become influenced by his mannerisms. Even when it's at its saddest, especially when it comes to his mother's whereabouts, this series does a great job showcasing the power of persevering through a challenging life. Kotaro Lives Alone can be viewed on Netflix. No word yet on a second season, nor has its original manga by Mami Tsumura been licensed in the States, but I hope more Kotaro Lives Alone comes out, as the series demonstrates a terrific balance of strong slice-of-life comedy and dramatic heartache. Give it a couple episodes and see why Kotaro Lives Alone deserves to have you as its visitor. 
Queen Bee are back with a brand new single, so here's hoping that a new album from them will be on the horizon. This new song of theirs is called Inuhine, or Dog Princess. second series, The Terrible Secret of Lot X. Sold to the woman in green. Estelle Thorpe has made a precarious purchase. Get anything good? Contents of automobile trunk, back seat, and glove box unsorted. Mmm. Riveting. But this auction win is more than it seems. A deranged man tried to outbid me. He confronted me afterwards. That box you bought? Burn it if you know what's good for you. He who is not to be named killed those boys, and it's my fault. Just like he's gonna kill you. To solve the paranormal mystery she's uncovered, Estelle assembles an unlikely crew of curiosity seekers. Moses Cubbenfield, a renowned mountain man author. Estelle, ma'am, I, I, I promise that if you are trying to win me over, the odds are good, but the goods are. Cherry Featherbottom, a flapper who's more than she seems. I'm gonna just be upstairs cleaning my gun. <laughs> Who are you, my dad? <laughs> Oswald Sinclair, Hobo King. That's not jam. That is definitely the opposite of jam. That is people jam. Anjana Ramakrishnan, Estelle's partner in a cult adventure. You summoned a demon and you don't remember it, darling. No firearms. Not right now. And Kenneth Rogers, a notorious gambler. I can play cards any old day, but chicken lunch at Thorpe Manor? Mm-mm. That sounds like a mighty fine time, I tell you what. Together, 
they encounter monsters above and below, and an unholy conspiracy that threatens to shred their sanity to tatters. This is startling and strange, but darling, we might be onto something here. This is why we came to Arkham after all. Not for murderous grave robbers and disappearing children. The Necronomicon. Whatever your intent with this book, I caution you and say with all certainty, you will find more danger than answers. You brought me back. You, you are brought me back. Brought you back from what? This is not our world. This is not our world at all. When the dance is done and his infernal song rings loudest, there will be no lewd carnality denied to us. You leap onto this thing's back and bury your hatchet in its neck. He howls. I will eat you. Dear Lord, what happened to you? It's t- t- too long to explain. We got to uh, get to the hospital. I'll tell you what, right now, we, we can't go to the police with this. Yeah, I expect you're right. They'll put us in the sanitarium. I... The air gives way to the crushing depths. You're drowning. You're drowning in a sea of yellow. In this program, our cast actually lives the terror. It's an improvised audio drama that uses Chaosium's Call of Cthulhu role-playing game and the wits of our players to weave these uncanny tales. This is a cinematic radio play where anything can happen, and these poor souls never know what's going to crawl out of the darkness. Discover the terrible secret of Lot X, the entire second series now available on your favorite podcast player. Just search for The Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program or unlock all our secrets at (laughs) CthulhuMystery.com. Take away.
Speed to the Edge by Othered from the upcoming self-titled first volume release in stores on April 15th. This is the latest project from Nitrous M1 frontwoman Emily Pallon, who recorded this project with friend Henry Austin Lennon during the pandemic. Othered will be hosting a record release party on the 15th at Eli's Mile High Club in Oakland with guests Nudity and Very Paranoia. And now, folks, it's time for the first part of four of our Beantown Sampler Boston Calling Edition. Each week until the Boston Calling Festival happens on May 27th to the 29th, we will be showcasing three of the 12 local acts that will be performing on the Tivoli Audio Orange Stage. These are some of the best acts that Boston has to offer, and I am excited to present them on No Borders to Race. Our first artist goes by the name Born Without Bones from the town of Milton. Last year saw the release of their latest EP, Pictures of the Sun, as well as a special three-song covers record called NYE. They'll be performing on Friday at Boston Calling, and from Pictures of the Sun, this is Falling Asleep.
Star Trek to Back to the Future, we've got your pop culture reactions and news over at LeaguePodcast.com. The League of Ordinary Gentlemen comic book podcast is more than just comic. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts on social at League Podcast. Please don't worry, it will be the same after this. He leaned down and he leaned down and gave me a kiss. Yeah. How could I be? How could I be so nice? Now, 
From the Defying Love EP, that was Miranda Ray with Back to Me. In 2020, Miranda was awarded R&B Artist of the Year by the Boston Music Awards. You can catch her on Friday at Boston Calling. We'll showcase one more Boston Calling act in a second, but first, it's time for a Bastard Soapbox. So today, the day that I'm recording this episode of No Borders, No Race, is Friday. So four days before it actually airs. Normally, I will record an episode on Tuesday or Wednesday. You know, I keep my stuff all done in advance. But today, I waited. And the reason why I waited was because last night, which would be Thursday, I saw Chris Rock. Now, I know what you're thinking. King, you went to see if he would talk about it. The slap heard all around the world. First of all, I bought my ticket two months ago, so no, uh, that wasn't my reason. I wanted to see him because I love Chris Rock. He's one of my favorite comedians and one of my favorite comedic actors. And furthermore, he actually didn't talk about it. No great detail about seeing Will Smith storm the stage and slap him. In actuality, he spent less than a minute talking about Agent J. Granted, He did come out in an outfit similar to his King Richard outfit, but I digress. Chris Rock had this show all prepared and finalized on the Saturday before the Oscars. And then on Sunday at the Oscars, the cuck gave him a little extra just in case. But Chris Rock didn't need the extra. Spent a single minute in the beginning talking about it, entertained the hecklers, and then moved on to talk about why Lululemon sucks, Disneyland for rich people, his troublemaking daughter Lola, how much being single sucks at the age of 57, and Candace, the woman who's, uh, you know, I wrote out what he said here, but I don't think I have the balls to actually say it. (laughs) Anyways, and for 80 minutes, he killed it. You know, They have this saying that living well is the best revenge. Somewhere in Los Angeles right now in his big fucking mansion, Will Smith is thinking of how fucked he is. How fucked his career is because he slapped a comedian for telling a joke. How fucked he is now that word's getting out that he was asked to leave and he didn't. How fucked he is now that we know that the LAPD were ready to throw his ass in jail. But Chris Rock didn't want to press charges. How, no matter the amount of excuses he makes, everybody is putting the blame solely on the Fresh Prince's shoulders. And Chris Rock, the victim of the whole thing, is traveling all around the country, now making everybody laugh. And he's walking to the edge of the stage, shaking hands, saying thank you, just happy to be there, not cowering in fear after being slapped. If there's one thing we can learn from all of this is that when a bully knocks your ass down, you get right back up and show them who's boss. Because smart people, like Chris Rock, use words to fight. Only bullies, like Will Smith, use their fists. Or open hand in this case. You know what's funny? The fact that Chris Rock could have made so many good comebacks after that slap. A jab about his portrayal of Muhammad Ali, for instance. Hell, he could have easily gone for the jugular with Jada's infidelity. You could tell he had a comeback in mind. 
but he didn't say it. And that's what makes Chris Rock the bigger and better man than Will Smith. Now, I know some people are saying that Chris Rock was making fun of Jada's condition, a condition that I had no idea she had because it wasn't broadcasted all across space. And Chris Rock made a powerful film about black hair, meaning that if he had known, he probably wouldn't have made the G.I. Jane joke. Here's the thing. People shouldn't be ridiculed for having a disease, an illness, cancer, a physical or mental disability. No ridiculing, no judging whatsoever. But you can still make a joke about it. Because jokes don't stand in the way of progress. Also, be glad Will didn't slap Dave Chappelle, because then Dave would have stayed on stage making Jada jokes for three more fucking hours. And here's my final word on this. Whether it's in a comedy club, a theater, or the biggest stage in the world, you do not walk up to a comedian and slap them because you didn't like a joke. You either keep your ass in your seat and wait for the next joke to be told, or you just walk out. You do not attack a person for doing their fucking job. Protect our stand-up comedians. Because they're doing everything they can to bring laughter to a world that's melting, that's on fire, and is filled with chaos everywhere. We fucking roam. And if there's one person who can do that perfectly, it's Chris Rock. He may not be a perfect man, but man, he is a person we should all be looking up to now compared to Will Smith. And that concludes my soapbox for today. Remember, these are the opinions of myself and not of that of the Electric Sisterhood, the artists that I play on this show, and so on and so forth. And I'm sure you're sick and tired about hearing about the slap. I'm sick of hearing about it. This was just my way of sharing my opinion on this incident. And now that I have, I will shut the fuck up about it. And with that, let's head back to the playlist. Our final Beantown Sampler Boston Calling Edition spotlight is placed on a group called Dutch Tulips, who will be performing at the event on Saturday. They describe themselves as being four humans making music together in Boston, Massachusetts. Are they aliens? Who knows? Their music puts a spotlight on the themes of mental health and isolation, somewhat similar to that of Titus Andronicus. Last year, Dutch Tulips released their debut album, Double Visions, and from that record is Stages and Phases. I see you all fading out of view. I see you all wanting not to. Sometimes I 
community focused on diversity, inclusion, representation, conversation, and fun on Twitch. Want to be fam? For chill community vibes, Wednesday nights at 7, join BC Row for the Wednesday wind down. Friday nights, join us for Let's Plays where we explore narrative and single player campaign games. Stop by on Fridays at 7. Catch our flagship podcast, The Tribunal, live every other Sunday at 3 p.m where we talk about issues that are important to us as Black women. Issues like representation, inclusion, diversity, and more within the video games and entertainment industries. Check our channel and social handles to find out when a new tribunal is going to drop. We've got even more content on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter handles, and our website, blackandpat.com. So join in the conversation in whatever way you like at Black and Pat. Remember, always and never or. All times are Eastern. Makuote, lights come out. Say you're selfish. What does she sit down? Why keep me a judge? Sate o ki close up. She does all day. Okay, does she know? It doesn't look like it. Man, it's a go. Oh, me, my, she's the 
with Rapid Lady Halation of East Side from last year's Hadashi no Step single. Lisa will be the subject of a new Netflix documentary arriving this fall entitled Another Great Day, with the focus being on the artist's 10th anniversary in the music scene. So,私たちの鳩は死を意味するわ。カイゾクのセイカツオコマディでヒョゲンシテイマス。リサダービトタイタワイチジュワ。ボネトとクロヒゲのカンペキナペアオエンジテイマス。ニサンノのエピソードオメレ
そあいつだと分かった時はやるせない思いを抱えいつも通りに振る舞い好きだからこそ二人を認めないと無理やりでもそんなことなんて結局君に終戦奪われ思えば思うほどに君を渡せない知れたい知れたい今すぐ君を抱き寄せこの夏も君の恋全て忘れさせたいはしゃいだり涙したり二度と帰らぬ日々を
Christ, the battle's full of bottles from the guns of L.A. The battle's full of bottles from the guns of L.A. They don't want it going, now at least I'm showing us the way all around. They climb me to the top, 12,000 feet above the ground. Are with the girls of LA, a new act formed by the Baculuses Aiden Cross and Steven Sarson. This is a hint of what's to come from their debut album, Dancing on a Volcano, which will be hitting stores on June 24th. Well, that about wraps up this week's episode of No Borders, No Race. Remember, for the recent news, reviews, podcast episodes, and videos from the Boston Bash Brigade, you can find us at www.b3crew.com. If you have any questions, comments, or if you're in a band and want to be featured on our show, you can write to us at thebastards at bostonbashbrigade.com, like us on facebook.com slash bostonbashbrigade, and follow us on b3crew.tumblr.com. And you can follow me, your King Baby Duck, on Twitter, the J-Pop, Video Games, Anime, Amino Pages, Instagram, and Twitch at King Baby Duck ESH. Don't forget to give some love to our friends at Black Compat, which you can find at blackcompat.com, twitch.tv slash blackcompat, and youtube.com slash blackcompat. Promotional consideration provided for this week's tracks from Othered and Waymar made possible by Shameless Promotion PR, and a very special thank you to Panjoma for their contribution to Shameless Tuesdays. Shout out to Kabar PR for Azab, and a nod to Clay Inferno for aiding with the Beantown Sampler. We'll be continuing our Boston Calling edition of Beantown Sampler in our next three episodes as we highlight the dozen local acts that will be performing on the Tivoli Audio Orange stage. I hope you all look forward to it. Our final act for today is our returning 2020 Japanese Album of the Year recipients, Sakuran Zensen. They have a brand new EP entitled Odd Royo, featuring eight of the wildest tracks this side of the Pacific. This is Hone Tohara, and until next time, this is your King Baby Duck, reminding you that you don't have to be from Boston to be a bastard, but it sure helps. <laughs>
guys, this is your King Baby Duck, Evan Borgo, from the Electric Sisterhood, and your host for the No Borders, No Race podcast. Each episode, we play the best, brightest, and hottest acts from Japan, America, Europe, and the rest of the world. Every song spun is but a mere taste of what you can expect of the artists heard, so if you truly loved what hit your eardrums, please be sure to support these musicians and buy their albums, EPs, and singles. Places like Amazon.com, CD Japan, Yes Asia, Bandcamp, iTunes, and even your local record store are great places to plop down some sweet moolah to let those artists know that they're doing a heck of a good job with their melodies. The more an artist gets support from listeners, the better the chance that they'll come to a venue nearest you to play the sounds that won your heart. This message is brought to you by the Boston Bash Brigade, reminding you all to support your local, national, and international artists any way you can.